1: I love being a turtle.
2: Hello, and welcome to Movie Smash. Welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at comic book movies that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person who enjoys talking about hidden gems or just like to tear old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started. I'm your host, Chris Roberts. I'm the founder of Off Panel Creations. Uh, we're a furniture company that likes to take your hobbies or your nerd culture and sort of fuse that with furniture, be it a comic book cabinet or a board game table or anything along those lines. Today, I've got with me uh, Jeremy Parmiteer. Hi, I'm Jeremy Parmiteer. I'm
1: also the Retrovaniacs podcast and the sexiest turtle.
0: <laughs> I'm Fergal Amayo. I'm actually the roughest toughest turtle i would say raf i'm also the owner of gotham nice comics out of livonia michigan our goal is to reimagine the comic shopping experience create a place where dope just meets awesome and service is number one i cannot wait to be part of the show
2: so if i'm the only one that did not introduce himself as a turtle does that make me splinter or (laughs) rocksteady Uh, well, for this movie, I will have to go with Splinter. There you go. So speaking of that, our movie tonight is, or today, I guess, depends on when you're listening to this, is the 1990s film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not to be confused with multiple movies that came out after this. Um, long list of stars, Judith Hogue, Brian Tachi, James Siata. Wow, there's a long list. I'm just not going to be able to read them all. This movie. Before we get jump into the movie and what's this all about, guys, did you have any experience with this movie at all when it first came out?
0: Oh, I saw it in the theaters. I mean, it's uh, you know, I was I was laughing with someone after I watched this movie. I actually had two copies of the first Turtles book. Uh, one was wrapped up in my back pocket and I lost, and the other one got burnt up in a fire. And I was like, wow, this brought back memories and a lot of lost money. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I definitely saw this in the theater. This was, I mean, at the time frame, this was after the show was out. Uh, I knew it was based on a comic, but I hadn't read the comics at that time. But I loved, you know, everybody loved the Turtles. I loved the the, the TV show. I loved the comics later on when I read them. I I I liked the newer comics that were more like the TV show. And all the video games, much more up my style. But we played all those, uh, including one of the best arcade games ever made, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game.
2: Yeah, Jeremy, I'm with you on this one. I really was not too familiar with the comics, um, except for that it's a parody or based off of, daredevil i just knew it from the 80s cartoon i knew it from the video game that impossible video game but yeah, that was pretty much my experience with the whole thing and that they love pizza so but i did see this in theaters and it was definitely we'll get more on that a little bit later but it was definitely a different experience than what i was initially expecting when i went into that
0: 100 percent.
2: so why don't we talk a little about the origins of this and we'll talk about the turtle so fergal do you have any little history you can share with us about this thing
0: Yes. I mean, this is a, uh, obviously Kevin Eastman Yard, you know, 1986, they bring out these movies, uh, excuse me, these comics, um, get them published locally, a uh, small company they founded. Um, it's just, you know, it's amazing since these comics have come out, how many spinoffs, how many reemergences, how many opportunities these books have come out. I mean, th- this, uh, this book has become kind of a cultural phenomenon akin to, uh, like the Simpsons. Quick fun fact, I'm sorry, quick fun fact, uh, Kevin Eastman was a garbage man on this movie.
2: <laughs> that That's actually an interesting, interesting thing about this movie too, because there are, we'll get into more a little bit about it later, there are a ton of cameos and a ton of characters playing multiple parts when it comes to this thing. So speaking about what this movie is about, this, if you have not seen it, this is the I wouldn't quite say origin story of the Ninja Turtles, um, but it is a telling of their first appearance to the public, if you would. Uh, it's them coming out of the sewers to protect New York from a gang of criminals that they've never encountered before uh, called The Foot. But at the time of when they're emerging, nobody knows who they are. They have no idea who this gang is and why they're appearing and what all this crime is about. So what first off, going into it, guys, obviously the Ninja Turtles are very iconic characters what were your what are your thoughts about how they were portrayed on screen
0: dark but really good i think and you mentioned the origin story not really it actually is a comic accurate origin story um that's what made this unique that this is one of the uh interesting movies where that you know the the uh, little rat was mimicking the uh, the the master's moves and and then just you know combination of tcri the ooze all that kind of created the turtles but it was it, the shredder the other uh, the other guy i cannot remember his name that was actually pretty comic accurate <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's definitely different from the TV show. As the TV show, as I recall, Splinter was a human that turned into, like, a mutant rat uh, that was a ninja master. So this was, you know, more accurate to the comic. But the other the other thing I noticed with this, for it was darker than the TV show, but it still wasn't as dark as what the comics would be, you know, overall. Like, it still had goofy one-liners. It still had stuff that if you were a kid, and you, which I was at the time, and went to go see this, being a fan of the TV show, there were still all these little, like, nods to what the TV show turtles were.
2: Yeah, it was... See, I when I went to go see this movie as a kid, I was expecting the cartoon. I was not expecting what we got, and love what we got. By the way, I'm not bashing you for that whatsoever. But there are definitely some core changes on how they are portrayed. Like April O'Neil, she was not wearing her 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 what's her yellow jumpsuit. I guess I guess from the comics, From the cartoon rather. And Casey Jones took off his mask at the very beginning of the movie and never put it back on. He did, but she
0: was wearing a yellow coat.
2: She did, and uh. I guess I was sort of a callback or say, Hey, look it, yellow does exist in this world, but it's a little too bright for what we're trying to portray for this.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Now, unlike other movies we've been watching, there is no CGI in this. This is all practical effects. How'd you guys feel about that? I mean, I
1: like that. I like that it's, like, these the costumes actually look really good. I was worried that these would not have aged as well as they did in my mind, because I haven't seen this movie in forever. I've seen the sequels, and I've seen other things that have come out since then, but I haven't watched the original Turtles movie in in years. I've definitely seen it since it first came out, but not... In recent memory. So I, I wasn't sure if the suits would look as good as I recall, but I think that the suits actually look really good. I'm glad they went with practical effects for most of it. The the, the suits move well, so you can actually do some, some kung fu moves. I mean, if, for someone who doesn't know anything about kung fu, they looked good at least. It didn't look stiff and weird. It, it looked good. So I, I was pretty impressed with the level of uh, that the suits in general would be the main effect. And, and the other, uh, in fact, the only thing I thought that didn't look great was was Splinter. And even he didn't look terrible, but he was probably the worst looking thing in the movie, which is not bad either.
0: I actually agree. I, I, I think that, you know, when you think about the characters they had playing the martial arts moves, because there were these costumes were like real and not painted on, the moves felt more real. The, the fighting felt more real the way they interacted with one another felt more real. I think you get closer. Um, you know, you couldn't do a lot of crazy face movements with those kind of masks, but other than splinter, which they tried really hard to get all the face moves is kind of looked like a bad Chuck E. Cheese player, but pretty damn good. <laughs> he really did. I kind of was waiting for him for the banjo, but, um, the advice was amazing. Um, and I thought the way he spoke and the way he acted, um, I thought they did a really good che- – actually, as cheesy as it was, I thought the origin when they showed the little rat, even though we knew it was fake, I thought that was pretty damn cool.
2: Now, these effects uh, – you guys may or may not know this, but this was the last movie that Jim Henson worked on before he pa- before he passed away. So – and he actually felt that this movie is a little darker than what he, what he was expecting. But yeah, this was his – these practical effects came from the Muppets. And there was
0: so much... Which actually explains a whole lot.
2: Yeah, there was so so much um, machinery inside the mask of the Turtles. Uh, The scene where, I think it's Raphael falls into a a trash can, uh, and he's like grabbing his face when he's sitting back up again, that's actually the stunt double grabbing his face because he broke his nose from hitting his head too hard (laughs) inside that mask.
0: Wow. That would make sense. That's Jim Henson. I mean, that... That actually explains, I think, to Jeremy's point, why the movie held up so well. Dark Crystal holds up well. It doesn't matter how far you see it, it holds up well. This movie holds up well. And then you add the right characters. That's like that Ernie Reyes. You put guys like that, um, Corey Feldman, um, just people who can get the voice right. Um, and it's interesting because just the other night I watched the newest Turtles movie and I thought that was dope. But it, it dope in the way that it's a new generation of that first movie.
2: Unlike Dark Crystal, this movie was actually loved when it first came out. Dark Crystal was hated when that movie first came out and came out on the scene. In fact, this movie, up until Blair Witch, was the number one independent film of its time. No movie surpassed it out of the independent studios until the Blair Witch came out.
0: $202 million on a $13 million budget.
2: Yeah, that is a good return on investment. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ROI I would love to see. So plot-wise, guys, how do you feel about the plot? Like I said, this is kind of an origin story, not really. How do you guys feel about the plot?
1: So I liked liked that the gang was realistic. Uh, I thought for this, for for being like a, you know, realistic Turtles movie, which is ridiculous to say, but a realistic Turtles movie, um, I liked that, that the gang was essentially just doing, like, street crimes. Yeah, they were stealing things, but there was no, like... You know, in the cartoon, there would have been some overarching massive scheme that would have been like, and I'm building a giant robot and other stuff. And, and I don't want to say the sequels do or don't do that. But the the first one really is a very down-to-earth um, kind of crime plot that the turtles stop, which makes it so that uh, it was more believable. Again, you're watching four giant turtles uh, n- ninja fight people, so it's not be it's not believable. But it still worked. It didn't feel like this over-the-top crazy action thing that some of the later movies definitely do.
0: Agreed. Again, I'm, I don't know what's going on. Jeremy, we're agreeing on everything. I completely agree. I think it was a really well-grounded movie. How uh, The Foot Clan, I like that they pulled them out of the streets. It wasn't like some feudal clan that came over from Japan. If you guys ever watched this movie with Jason Statham and Jet Li called War, it is so over the top. You know, They just bring in all these massive assassins. This was just regular street kids that wanted to be part of a family. And that these two really bad guys took advantage of that and you had a really believable second in command like that tetsuya guy it's an interesting because if you watch some of the later movies true martial arts movies the ones that go from japan or excuse me from china you'll see this guy in those movies um and it's just he he played him well
2: yeah and we've had this conversation before about sort of different kind of superhero movies and this is definitely that sort of grounded no crazy cosmic powers. I think Jeremy used the phrase one time, punching a planet. <laughs> There's yeah, none yeah. of that in this. This is definitely... It's easy to understand. It's easy to follow. Um, but, I mean, I do miss my Rocksteady and Bebop.
1: Well, that that was, as a kid, my biggest complaint, right? When we left the movie theater, we were all very sad that there wasn't Bebop and Rocksteady. Because that was the biggest... like. As a kid, those were like the two bad guys. Sure, there was, there was Shredder, but he was almost like the mastermind that came in every once in a while. But really, they would fight Bebop and Rocksteady to do full-on fights. So I expected that, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't there. But I, watching it now, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not there because instead, I thought it made the Turtles more... Um, because they were even able to be uh, bested by you know a, a large number of regular gang members like it wasn't like they were this you know superhero ninja team that would like you know throw their sword to the side and knock out six guys like they would in the cartoons it works in cartoon format but it's goofy in in movies when that happens so I liked that uh, that kept them more grounded not having these like super mutants to fight against
0: yeah and i think that the tattoo i think that you know shredder played a very good martial artist i think he you know he really showed that he could fight them um and i think that makes the movie again there are so many iterations so we eventually do get bebop and roxanne i think they did good but cgi can be you know they i don't think they would have looked good without cgi i honestly think the movie would have gone way way over budget to try to add those guys in real real costume. If I'm not mistaken, even though 13 million, that's a lot of money for that time.
2: Yeah, it's like, I say, it was there. Was, I, I know what the of numbers were, but Batman came out a pretty earlier in the movie, earlier in the seasons, um, or in the earlier years, rather. But 13 million, it's actually it's not big of a budget for a movie. I mean, they pulled it off. Uh, but anyway, I, I do want to talk tonally about this movie. I do want to spend some time on that. Tonally, how did you guys feel about this thing?
0: I thought it got to the right tone. I thought that the kid was an interesting humanization piece. I like that. I like that we had just kind of, we followed a kid inside of the story, gave you another arm to follow, and it was not that difficult to kind of follow up. And it allowed for like the origin story and some of the other pieces that we might not have gotten. Um, I love the old farmhouse. I had forgotten how cool that scene was. I had forgotten how all of that was so dope. And then the uh, Casey Jones, I had forgotten how dope he was. Elias Cotiez, man, he's gotten older. But back in those days, that guy had something going on. I wish I had the long hair. (laughs) I
1: I like the tone now because it is darker. As a kid, I do remember thinking that this was not as much fun as I thought it would be. Um, But again, I don't think necessarily we should review movies for what a thirteen-year-old thinks about them. But uh, <laughs> but now I do like the way that it felt, the way that it did. It it had this very bleak tone for a lot of it, right? It's, it's that dirty, filthy New York that you see in a lot of movies from the 80s that's right here in it. I, I like the fact that the turtles could just walk through the city with bad trench coats and hats because New York's so messed up that no one would notice it. Like, I thought that was really cool. Uh, it, I think the tone fit, but again, when I went in younger, only watching the cartoon,
2: I was a little surprised at how dark it was. See, it's funny. I think you're right, Jeremy. Like, as a kid, I did not understand the tone. It didn't feel right. and uh Well, parts of it did. Parts of it didn't. I've watched this movie three times in the past week, getting ready for this show, and I was able to finally put my finger on it just recently. Totally, I feel like it's it's sort of a mashing of two styles, um, and I have a, a sort of pet theory about that. But so it feels like like I said, Batman came out in 1989. No, sorry, just before this, um, and totally, it felt feels like that a lot, right? New York or Gotham, uh, dark, dingy. You could, as you just put it, Jeremy, you could walk around and be a turtle in a trench coat and no one's going to notice you, right? And they did sort of a good job in the sort of an 80s style because this movie was made during the 80s even though it came out in 1990 where at the beginning there's that kind of like montage with a news uh, voiceover talking about how crime's going up and it's a little wacky at times because crime would just sort of happen around people. TVs would just disappear when you turn your back. Um, And later on, even though it's got that darkness to it, even though it's like in the sewers, there's a lot of shadows which was probably done for the practical effects purposes so we couldn't see all the strings if you would but it kind of like felt like and it, uh, follow me on this guys like a 48 hours an eddie murphy movie <laughs> sort of jammed in there with a little bit of wackiness
0: i think you have an interesting analysis i i think the the darkness was attributed to the fact that they you know up until that point you guys hit on a point that pretty much every kid at that point was talking about was where was the uh where's the bebop where's the rock study where's the overarching plans the ridiculous ludicrousness this movie was a thank you to kevin eastman and pete liard just that simple like these guys created a book that was not kid i mean it it picked up in kid and it translated well but it was a pretty dark comic book. That's why lost Ronin is picking up such speed now because they're going back to those roots of what it was when you first read it, which is what attracted to you when you were a kid.
2: So one of the reasons I, I, I sort of felt, I sort of noticed that. So I actually decided to do a little uh, diving into that. The original writer, the the original s- uh, director of this movie went into this wanting to make it just like you said, dark, go back th- back to their roots. Um, just sort of, Ride the wave of the good feeling of the IP for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon all that, and the toys, all that was out there. Ride that wave to create a darker, go back to our origins movie, kind of like Batman did, where it went back to its darker roots when it was just recently been the Adam West stuff, right? Um, and the studio didn't like it. So about halfway through filming, they said, make it funnier which if you watch the second half of the movie, which I've watched three times, it wacky sound effects get put in there. A little bit of wackiness gets added to it. Um, and you can sort of see where the studio steps in and says, we don't want to go that dark. 12-year-olds are watching this thing.
0: I believe there's actually, to your point, Chris, I believe there's actually a clip of that roof scene where Shredder fights in a more engaged battle. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I think there is. I've heard it. I saw it on a couple of Reddits. I don't know. I wanted to ask you, and this is just a purely scientific question. Three times seeing it, do you have the Ninja Turtle wrapped down at this point? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured you would have had that wrapped down after three times watching
2: it. I'll, I'll be uh, making my rendition next week. <laughs> so, well, what's also funny about this is the writer of this of the screenplay, uh, before making this, was only really wrote for sitcoms. Um, he wrote for Small Wonder, The Jeffersons, Different Strokes, uh, which is why I thought it was such a sort of a strange look at how dark it gets. But this guy's coming from, you know, happy sitcom
0: world.
1: You know, those sitcoms are not as, as happy as you remember, uh, especially Different Strokes. There's a lot of darkness in Different Strokes, and you go back and watch it now.
0: There actually is. I, I did watch the Fresh Prince episode where uh, where, where the dad and the whole – I mean, there is some darkness in these sitcoms.
2: That's a whole other road we should not go down right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about – let's switch gears and talk about pacing. We've been talking about Tone for a while, but pacing of this movie, how do you feel it play, uh, pans out?
1: I think the pacing was good, because it was not really an origin story. I mean, the origin of them is there, and this is kind of their introduction to the world, but it wasn't—you didn't start it with, you know, the, the, the turtles becoming these mutant ninja turtles and going through trading, and then all of a sudden showing up in New York. You, you, you started with them as grown ninjas, and then it had those flashback sequences. So it, it kept the thing moving very fast from the get-go. I mean, the, the whole movie starts with— um, you know Raphael kind of saving April and that starts their interaction with more of the real world and it 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 slows down in parts but it doesn't get extremely slow because during those moments you're having those those other looks at what the foot clan is doing you have the other looks at what they're doing because they they capture uh, splinter at one point so then you get to see what they're doing to him uh it has it has it moves fast enough i i remembered this being not that fast but again i think that's a 13 year old telling you that information i i thought this actually moved really well when i watched this the first time it ended and i thought it was only an hour long uh because it moves fairly fast but no, it's a, a full length movie. And then when I watched it again the second time, there were definitely parts that dragged a little, but even then, it wasn't bad at all.
0: I kind of agree. I think that's the same. There were a couple parts I did fast forward through. You know, I, that, the kid part I found as I'm older, I didn't really have that kind of connection. Whereas when I was a kid, it was like, oh, this is cool. But now it's like, okay, why is this kid here? Uh, let's get to the shredding. And I like the fights. And I, again, I think for me, that scene when they're in the uh, wooden house just kind of paces perfectly the rest of it's pretty good though it did did fly by and it was a really good movie it was a lot going on that's what I noticed there's a lot happening and they still managed to kind of wrap everything up with a bow
2: yeah I can't agree more I think this movie definitely does not have the issue a lot of movies have these days where they're just sort of overweight you know they're hitting two and a half three hours long this movie I did not look at the clock Um, even on the third watching I did not look at the clock the I think it has its pacing goes well it doesn't spend too much time lingering on too much. I mean, I did think the the scene in the farmhouse was getting a little long, but it cut off at the right time because they sort of chimed in with the, the mysticism and calling out the, the splinter. So I think it worked out pretty well. See, I, I didn't mind that. I know as a kid, I didn't like
1: that part. I thought it slowed down a lot till they get back to where they go back into New York. But now because Raphael's trying to heal and you're not really sure, I mean, you're, you're pretty sure they're not just going to let him die, right? But it was still just, it, it, had, it actually had a purpose. It was them kind of regrouping. It was that classic, um, you know, the, the hero gets taken down when you think he's not going to, and then he has to go into hiding to kind of retrain and do all that stuff. But it wasn't a cheesy training montage for two minutes, and then they showed back up in New York, which is what I would have wanted at 13, that I was glad didn't happen this time.
0: I agree, and I also think it showed the nice Casey Jones-April O'Neill interaction. And April was kind of hot as an adult. I'm kind of like, wow, she's pretty damn good looking. Well, Fergal, I'm sorry to say
2: you did not get to see her belly button.
0: No, but you did get to see her blouse.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so overall, how'd you guys feel about this movie?
1: So I did like it. What I I have to say is... uh, I. This might be one of the first movies that we've looked at that I enjoyed thoroughly. I, I did. I had a great time. But I don't know if I would like this movie if I had not seen it the first time when I was 13. right? There There's others where I thought I didn't like it much before, but now I, I see a lot that I like more or I see it in a different light. I, I saw it this time and enjoyed it. But like my kids were in, in the room when I started watching some of it, and they were like, Dad, what are you watching? And they just walked out. They were not interested at all. They know what the turtles are, but it, it's not what they were interested in at all
0: i 100 agree i actually had this on the big tv with my son and he was he called me a boomer and walked out of the room <laughs> while he had his hand in his phone and he just literally said boomer which got him in trouble but he still did it anyway so i think that says everything i enjoyed the movie as an adult i think it really does give me exactly what i was looking for that i think that's why i like the turtles so much because there's an interesting comic that was unlike anything at the time and to this day um, endures like unlike anything at this time, except maybe the crow. And so I just I think it's a great book, great story, um, and it just brought back some really great memories.
2: Yeah, I agree. it, it is overall it's a good movie. It's not, it's totally very different than the later ones, which of course we're not talking about today. But um, and very totally different than the '80s cartoon. But it does seem to be more true to the the source material and what it's you know trying to lean on for that. It kind of—I rem- know, I know—I've already said this, but it really does kind of remind me of the '89
0: Batman. I 100% agree with you. I think that the '89 Batman is what gave rise to that Neil Adams, that darker Batman, that Tim Burton was perfect for that vision. This is the same exact story, and that's why, to Jeremy's point and to your point, I think as well, by the later part of the second half of the movie, you started to see a purposeful lightning, but you could still see. Them trying to add some of the darker tones back in. Actually,
2: speaking of Batman, I know we're talking about the overall plot here, but the part when Raphael is leaving the movie theater, right? And on the marquee it says, "I think it's, <laughs> it's what critters." critters? Yeah, yeah this on it's it? critters. He was originally supposed to be Batman, and he was supposed to say, "Nice car, stupid outfit."
0: <laughs> that would have been awesome. And actually, when it showed Critters, have any of you guys seen that movie? That is an, that is a rip off of Gremlins, but an interesting film. And we'll have to get that one down the line.
1: Yeah, I've seen Critters. Uh, I've certainly seen. Yeah, I've seen all four Critters, in fact. And then there was a series they put out on on Shutter a few years ago. That's a kind of goofier take on it. But it's yeah, I, I know all about Critters. That's why I, I didn't mind they didn't say Batman. That's interesting that it would have. But I thought just Critters. I was like, sure, why not? It
2: made sense to me question i have for that is and i'll have to look this up after the show but was critters really a ripoff of gremlins or like which one came out first because critters falls in that bucket of 80s horror movies that gremlins kind of put its toe into but didn't fully go into because of course steven spielberg was involved
1: yeah i mean it's it's the same like gremlins and ghoulies uh, yeah. Munchies. There's all these little these these horror movies that were I quote horror movies that, that were about little like little monsters that were in little groups as opposed to being one big monster or you know a, a slasher. So it, it's very much like what Gremlins would do. It, it's I don't know if I'd say it's a rip off of Gremlins, but that was what they were aiming at that style of of movie. Yeah,
2: it's it's no Leprechaun.
1: No.
0: <laughs> hey, hold on, guys. We're going to the Leprechaun. That is a standalone movie on its own. That is. My heritage, but with an uglier face,
2: should people watch this movie like it, it it's out on I think Paramount plus when I watch this I actually funny thing was I actually owned this box set at one point, and like Electra, it has disappeared, so I don't know where it is, but I mean it's out there right now it's on streaming it's everywhere. Uh, would you guys recommend someone to go out and watch this thing so i I would say. If you like the turtles, then sure,
1: go ahead and watch this. You won't dislike it. But I would not use this to introduce somebody to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle property. Like some of the other movies we have talked about, I think, are fine standalone things. You could say if you're like this, you might want to go back and read the comics. But I think if you introduce somebody to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with this movie, they may not get why this is fun
0: i actually agree on this point as well i think the only people you could really introduce this to would be those who've read the books or those who know of the storylines maybe a lost ronin person but i think uh for a majority of the people the newer movie is a much better representation of the turtles today
2: you mean uh the cgi one that just came out recently mutant May- mayhem.
0: I just watched that in preparation of this movie along with this movie just to get a sense of how far the turtles have gone since the first time they came out to now.
2: You're, so you're yeah. saying that's better than the Michael Bay TMNT <laughs> uh,
0: that depends. I actually liked the Michael Bay. I thought their, uh, their their CGI was not that great but I did like the Michael Bay movie. April O'Neil was definitely an interesting aspect for that. Megan Fox portrayed her well.
2: I have not seen that movie yet, um, and hopefully maybe one day it will pop up on our list. But back to this DMT, one of the – what? that's like 20 different turtle Turtle movies, but the one we're talking about, <laughs> would you guys rewatch this thing? 100%.
0: I enjoyed it. it. It for for nothing else. It just made me think of a significant moment from my childhood. You know, I, I think Jeremy would agree that when we saw this movie, especially because he's a comic fanatic as well, that it was like the culmination, the first set of culminations, along with Batman eighty nine of seeing your comic heroes on the big screen. And for a kid, there's nothing better.
1: I I would agree that I was a comic guy, but again, I hadn't read these comics until later because I you know the comic the cartoon was what was really big at the time. Um, but for me, it was kind of like the other two kind of big properties that did the full-length movie were G.I. Joe and Transformers. And both of those were animated movies that were great, but they were animated movies. So it was exactly what you'd expect just twice as long than, than an episode, three times as long. Where this was the first time I saw a, a show that I was into as a kid where it was going to have this live-action version. Uh, and, and so for me, it was like, man, is this, is this going to be good or bad? And I walked out kind of being disappointed because it wasn't just what I, you know, didn't have that over-the-top... Uh, cartoonness that I was looking for in it, but now I appreciate it a lot more for what it is. And and I would agree that I do watch it now with the sense of nostalgia and, and enjoy it for that sake. The same reason I would watch. And I think these are all good movies. But would I say that every kid on earth needs to run out and see you know Goonies or Gremlins or the uh, the first uh, first couple Indiana Jones movies? I don't know. I love them, but do do current kids like them as much as I did when I was a kid? Probably not. They're much more uh, amazing. Uh, movies that to watch with uh, with more amazing effects because there's a lot more uh, science on it than this time than there were at the time so i don't know i i would definitely rewatch it but i don't
2: know again i, I don't know if i'd recommend it <laughs> yeah me personally I, I given the fact i've just watched it three times i probably won't watch it again for another de- another decade <laughs> i'll let it gather some dust before i go back to it not because it's bad just because i've gotten my fill
0: <laughs> i think you should definitely try to memorize the uh, turtle rap though
2: yeah, I'm going to be releasing a new album later. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do songs no, from, I, I'll do songs from the entire TMNT franchise.
0: I think three times in a row, Chris, That that's a lot. That's a lot in general. That's just a ton of Corey Feldman. That alone would make your mind stressed. I,
2: I just like to make sure I'm prepared. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of behind the curtain a little bit. I watch it one time to pay attention to it and understand what's happening. And then the other two times, I'll put it on the background while I'm in the shop. Right um occasionally when i'm watching glue dry it's better it's better than watching glue dry let's put it that way (laughs) so normally we ask if a remake makes sense but they have remade or revisited the tmt for a while how a better question might be if they release this movie today would it be a success
1: i don't i don't think it would be i think it would be because there are better uh at least Better to to the people who are currently following turtles, right? Like my kids know the Teenage Mutant Turtles, but they didn't care about this movie because it looked goofy to them. I I don't think it would do incredibly well if you just put this out today at all.
0: I think this movie suffers from the kind of the uh, quality of the technology at the time i think one of the things i think it, like there's like a tron thing to it where like the first tron movie is breathtaking for what it was but if i tried to watch it again today even with my son he'd walk out of the room and i just i don't think what i identify. i think this movie definitely needs a remaster but i don't think it's necessarily for new people i think there's a lot of turtles you can jump into depending on where you came from to jeremy's point like you know, your kids or someone new to it. There's so many different ways to look at this, uh, this phenomenon.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, it, it, was, it was good for its place in time. You know, when it was released, I think that was the ideal time for this movie, which is reflected in how well it did in the box office. I mean, it broke records for being an independent film, which still blows my mind today that that was an independent film. So, guys, um, thumbs up, thumbs down. How do you guys feel about TMNT?
0: I love it. I'm, like, I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. solid thumbs up. It's not even gonna be a halfway thumbs up, although I'm still gonna nuance it a little bit with the second half of the movie. but I think the first half pulls it through to a full and enthusiastic thumbs
1: up. I have to give it a uh, a forty year old three quarter thumbs up. If you're forty years old, go ahead and see it as a great time. I do think that it is you know it does drag in a little a little bit in some parts. you can tell that they they added some stuff in to make it fun again for kids, I guess, but uh, if you're not, you know, 35 to 40, uh, or older, uh, you probably won't care for this as much as other turtles. So maybe it doesn't earn your, your three quarters thumb, but for me and my thumbs three quarters.
2: Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that one, Jeremy, for me, um, me today, it's 2023 looking back on it as a TMNT fan, three quarters up sounds about right. Um, but I'd say if you, you were not a fan of the, of TMNT as, as a whole, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you would I would not recommend this movie to you unless you're an actual fan. You want to go back and look at it. Cause there's a lot of newer media out there that supports that fandom or could be better, a better way to introduce you to that, that IP. So well, I guess that's the movie for us guys. Um, let's figure out what we're doing next. Fergal, what are you up to these days?
0: I am up to quite a bit. We are dropping a bunch of new merch. Um, we've been coming up with some amazing different variations of Gotham Knight, creating a unique brand and our own kind of unique spin on that whole cool shirt thing. Um, we're also working on the first uh, Comic-Con for our, for our own store, kind of something different. Um, not like something you've got to pay to come into, but something more of a kind of a fair type experience. Just something to have fun with.
1: And Jeremy, how about you? Uh, I'm in the middle of this, this. This episode is part of a triumvirate. ...of turtle activities across different podcasts that I either host or am a guest on. So, uh, you know, we did this movie, we did the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you just heard about. Uh, we're going to be covering probably the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist on Sega Genesis over on Retrovaniacs. It should be up live now or shortly after this episode goes live. And on the One Rad Podcast Network, I'm going on for their Christmas extravaganzas. And we're going to be talking about a live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles holiday special uh, that has a lot of songs. So, Chris, if you're doing an album, I highly recommend watching that episode... Uh, of of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action Christmas,
2: a lot of songs there to do. A lot of songs. I have my beatbox ready, and I'll start taping it.
0: <laughs> I'll come with you, Chris, on that one. That'll be Jeremy can provide the chorus. I'll come with you on that one. Uh,
2: well, I'm actually just starting a new project. Uh, we're starting a new comic book cabinet. It's a Spider Man themed, where we're going to go with a very uh, Ethan Allen style, so look very classy, and then yet we're going to hide Spider Man all over the thing, as well as a wall storage unit for a gentleman who collects vintage risk boards. It's should look pretty interesting when it's all finished up. But if you enjoyed the show today, please give us a review and a share for your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us how we're wrong in all the ways I normally am. And ma- or make a suggestion, just visit us at movie-smash.com. And I look forward to talking to you all next week. Show, please give us a review and share with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us where we were wrong, or give us a movie suggestion, visit us at movie